بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله الكريم نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد So today's narration is a hadith of Abu Hurairah رضي الله تعالى عنه who said that the messenger عليه الصلاة والسلام said من كان يؤمن بالله واليوم الآخر فليقل خيرا أو ليصمت Whoever believes in Allah on the last day then let him say a word of good or keep silent ومن كان يؤمن بالله واليوم الآخر فليكرم جاره and whoever believes in Allah on the last day then let him honor his neighbor وَمَنْ كَانَ يُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ فَلْيُكْرِمْ ضَيْفَهُ And whoever believes in Allah and the last day, then let him honor his guest. The hadith being recorded by Bukhari and Muslim. Shaykh Abdul Muhsin Abad's explanation to this hadith is divided into six parts. Part number one. In part number one, Shaykh Abdul Muhsin Abad, he's pointing out the fact that we notice here, the Prophet ﷺ combining the mentioning of Iman in Allah and Iman in Yawm Al-Akhir with these three things. Three things have been mentioned. To speak a word of good or keep silent, to honor your neighbor and to honor your guest. With each of these three things, Iman in Allah and Iman in the last day, have been mentioned alongside them. Why? There's a reason behind it. Why? He says, لِأَنَّ الْإِيمَانَ بِاللَّهِ هُوَ الْأَسَاسُ فِي كُلِّ شَيْءٍ يَجِبُ الْإِيمَانُ بِهِ Because Iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is the foundation for every other thing that you are, that you are commanded to have Iman in. Iman in Allah, that is the asr, that is the foundation. Iman in the angels, Iman in the books, Iman in the prophets, Iman in the last day, Iman in Qadr, Iman in Jannah, Iman in Jahannam, Iman in Jinn, Iman in all, all of these things, these are mutafarri'ah. They branch out from the asr, they branch out from the foundation, the foundation being Iman in Allah. So Iman in Allah, that's the basis, that's the foundation. And everything else branches out from it. Every other thing that you are required to have iman in is tabi'un lil iman billah. It comes after, it follows on after having iman in Allah. That's the reason why Allah's Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam tied iman or tied those three actions of saying good and being good to your guest and being good to your neighbor. He tied these things and he mentioned these things alongside Iman in Allah. Why? Because Iman in Allah, that's the, that's the asl, that's the foundation for everything else. As for the messenger mentioning Iman in the final day, Iman in Yawm Al-Akhir, then by him mentioning that, the last day comes to mind. The messenger is talking about doing three things. 
and therefore the importance of doing these three things. And these, three, these three things are actions that we're meant to be doing. Being good to your guest is an action. Being good to your neighbor is an action. Speaking a word of good, otherwise keeping silent, is an action. These actions, or actions in general, are going to be weighed on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. You're going to be taken to account for your actions on that final day, on that last day. And therefore, when the Messenger is telling us about these three actions, he's also mentioning Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Why? Because then you remember, you bring to mind that day when you're going to be taken to account for your actions that you did in this life. And among those actions are these three deeds, being good to your guest, being good to your neighbor, speaking a word of good or keeping silent. So because of when you bring to mind that there is a day that's going to, ha that's going to happen in which I'm going to be recompensed for, for every single action that I did in this life, I'm going to be rewarded with goodness for my good deeds and I'm going, and I'm going to be punished for my evil deeds. When you remember this, then this encourages you to do good deeds. It encourages you to be good to your neighbor, good to your guests, speak a word of good or keep silent. So that is the reason why the Messenger ﷺ mentioned belief in Allah and the last day alongside these three deeds, these three actions. Namely, speaking a word of good or keeping silent, being good and honoring your neighbor and honoring your guest. He mentioned these three acts alongside belief in Allah because belief in Allah, that's the foundation for everything. And he mentioned the Day of Judgment alongside these three actions. Why? Because the Day of Judgment is the Day of Recompense for actions. And therefore, when a person bears that in mind, then he's going to be encouraged to do good actions. I.e., he'll be encouraged to do these three good deeds. That's part number one. Part number two. In part number two, Sheikh Abdul Muhsin Abad he mentions certain quotes from certain Imams. Among them is the quote of Imam al nawawi Imam al nawawi basically quotes from Imam al-Shafi'i. Imam al-Shafi'i, his statement concerning this hadith is that the meaning of this hadith, this is the statement of Imam al-Shafi'i, ma'na al-hadith, إِذَا أَرَادَ أَنْ يَتَكَلَّمْ فَلْيُفَكِّرْ فَإِنْ ظَهْرَ أَنَّهُ لَا ضَرَرَ عَلَيْهِ تَكَلَّمَ وَإِنْ ظَهْرَ أَنَّ فِيهِ ضَرَرًا وَشَكَّ فِيهِ أَمْسَكَ Imam al-Shafi'i, he says, that the meaning of this hadith is that when a person intends to speak, when a person wants to say something, let him first think. When a person wants to say something, let him think. Now, if it becomes apparent to him that there's no harm upon him, meaning there's no harm upon him, saying that statement that he wants to say. If it becomes apparent to him that there's no harm upon him, then he speaks. He should speak. Let him speak. However, if it becomes apparent to him that 
in it, in making that statement, there is harm to him. He's going to incur harm upon himself by saying that statement, and likewise, as an extension to that, harming others. That if there is harm in saying that statement, or he's doubtful about it, he's doubtful whether or not there's good or there's harm, then he should withhold. He should withhold, meaning withhold his tongue from saying that statement. He should refrain from saying that statement. Again, Imam Shafi'i, he says that when the person wants to speak, let him think. If it becomes uh, clear to him that there is no harm upon him, then he should speak. And if it becomes clear that there is harm or that he's doubtful, doubtful whether or not there's harm or not, then he should refrain. <coughs> Imam al-Hassan al-Basri, rahmatullahi ta'ala alayhi, he has a similar statement. He has a similar statement concerning this. And this statement is so good of his that we are also going to quote this statement of Imam al-Hassan al-Basri. This is a statement that Sheikh Abdul Mahsin al-Abbad doesn't quote in his sharh. But we'll quote it because it is so, uh, so nice and so beneficial. So Imam al-Hassan al-Basri, la afun. Ewa, Imam al-Hassan al-Basri, rahmatullahi ta'ala, he said, Kanu yaqulun, lisanu al-hakim, min warai qalbihi, fa'idha arada an yaqula, fa'idha arada an yaqula raja'a ila qalbihi, fa'in kana lahu qal, وَإِنْ كَانَ عَلَيْهِ أَمْسَكَ So Imam al-Hasan al-Basri, he said that they used to say, the people of knowledge before him, they used to say, Imam al-Hasan al-Basri, which tabaqah is he from? Which? Tabi'een, he is from the successors. He is from the successors. Those people that are from the generation after the companions. He said they, the people of knowledge, they used to say, that the tongue of the wise one, the tongue of the wise one, it comes from behind his heart. It is behind his heart. The tongue of the wise one, it is behind his heart. It comes from behind his heart. It works behind his heart, operates behind his heart. The tongue of the wise one, it is from behind his heart. So when the person wants to say something, he goes back to his heart. Meaning he consults his heart. And if he finds that the statement that he wants to say is in his favor, it's, it's for him, it's, it's in his favor, then he says it. And if it's the case that he finds that the statement is not in his favor, it's against him, meaning, meaning it's not in his favor. And then he withholds. وَإِنَّ الْجَاهِلَ قَلْبُهُ فِي طَرَفْ لِسَانِهِ لَا يَرْجِعُ إِلَىٰ قَلْبِهِ مَا أَتَى عَلَىٰ لِسَانِهِ تَكَلَّمَ بِهِ But as for the jahil, as for the ignorant person, the foolish person, then his tongue is at the, then his heart is at the tip of his tongue. He doesn't go back to his heart to consult it. He doesn't go back to his heart to 
ascertain whether or not this statement of mine is good or bad. His tongue, his heart is at the tip of his tongue. He doesn't go back to his heart to consult it. Whatever comes to his tongue, he says it. Whatever comes to his tongue, he says it. So the point being is that the wise person is the person who consults his heart before he speaks. Before he says a thing, he consults his heart to ascertain whether or not it's going to harm him, if it's going to benefit him, or it's going to and he harm him and not benefit him. So if it's the case that he realizes that it's going to benefit him, he speaks it, he says it. Otherwise, he withholds. So that was a statement of Imam al-Hassan al-Basri and likewise Imam al-Shafi'i. Another statement that Shaykh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad quotes is a quote from... Ah, which quote? The quote of Imam al-Hassan al-Basri. Who's going to quote it? Who's going to quote? By the Jahil. The Jahil. Ah, yeah. Ammar. The Ammar. Ridwan. The ignorant one. Sheikh Ridwan is saying. The ignorant one. The ignorant one, yes. Doesn't consult his heart. Before he says something. And it's on the tip of his tongue. And he says it without thinking. Yes, that is the meaning of the statement of the Imam. He says, he said, ماذا? وَإِنَّ الْجَاهِلَ قَلْبُهُ فِي طَرَفْ لِسَانِهِ لَا يَرْجُعْ إِلَىٰ قَلْبِهِ مَا أَتَى عَلَىٰ لِسَانِهِ تَكَلَّمَ بِهِ Indeed, the jahil, the ignorant person, his heart is on the tip of his tongue, he doesn't go back to it, meaning he doesn't consult it. Whatever occurs, to it, occurs upon his tongue, he says it. You got that, Sheikh Faisal? Tayyib. Another statement that Sheikh Abdul Muhsin Abad quotes is the quote of Imam Al Jalil Abu Muhammad ibn Abi Zaid, yani Imam Al Qairawani, who said, Imam Al Malikiya bil Maghrib, he said, Jami'u adab al khair tatafarra' min arba'ati ahadith. All of the Good mannerisms, all good manners branch out from four hadith. All good manners branch out from four ahadith. And these four ahadith are the basis, are the foundations. with people. For a hadith, they are the usul, the basis, the foundations for good manners. What are they? So then he mentions them. The first hadith that he says is the hadith, man kana yu'minu billahi wal yawmil akhir falyaqul khayran awli yasmut. This hadith here, whoever believes in Allah on the last day, then let him speak a word of God or keep silent. Second hadith, min husni islam il mar'i tarkuhu ma la ya'nihi. From the perfection of a person's Islam is that he abandons what does not concern him, what he has no inaya for, what he has no importance for. The third hadith. The number, the hadith number is for 
the first one is hadith number 15 for the second one يعني, all of these hadith are contained in Arba'in al-Nawi so in Arba'in al-Nawi the first hadith that he mentioned is the first one when, uh, 15 hadith number 15 hadith number, the first hadith that he mentions is hadith number 15 in Arba'in al-Nawi second one is man kana yu'minu billah la من من حسن إسلام المرئي which is حديث number twelve the fourth one is the third one is when the messenger عليه الصلاة والسلام said to the person who sought advice from him he said to him أو سني advise me so the prophet said to him لا تغضب don't become angry that is حديث number sixteen and then the fourth حديث that Imam أبي زيد القيرواني mentions to be an asl, a foundation, a pillar from the pillars of good manners, is لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى يحب لأخيه ما يحب لنفسه. None of you truly believes until he loves for his brother what he loves for himself. That is hadith number thirteen in the forty hadith of Imam Nawawi. These four hadith that Imam Al Qayrawani said are the four usul, the foundations from which good manners branch out from, they come from, they emanate from. That these four ahadith are the basis of good manners. All of these four ahadith are contained within the Arba'een of Imam An Nawawi. And Shaykh Abdul Razak al Badr, when he was explaining this hadith, he mentioned a good point. He said that, this is paraphrasing what he said, that Good manners, good manners, good etiquettes. They are based upon four pillars. The pillars of good manners, the pillars of good etiquettes, the pillars of being a well-mannered boy, a well-mannered young man, a well-mannered adult, a well-mannered man or woman. The pillars of having these good fine etiquettes, mannerisms, fine conduct to yourself, goes back to four. The foundations are four. One, number one, protecting your tongue. Protecting your tongue. Are you protecting your tongue from saying those things, saying those things that are bad or harmful? Number two, Not doing, uh, leaving off those mat uh, matters that are excessive. Leaving excessive matters. And those things that don't concern you. Leaving off excessive matters. Going into excess in matters. Whether it's food or drink or sleep or uh, whatever. And not, and leaving off those matters that don't concern you. Third matter is not being driven by your impulses. Not being driven by your impulses. Not allowing your impulse, impulses, your emotions to overwhelm you and allow them to drive you and allow them to steer you and navigate you. And No. Control yourself. So, number three. The foundations of good manners is not to be driven by your impulses. And number four, 
Number four is to have a clean heart. To have a clean heart. Salamatul qalb wa salamatul sadr. To have a clean heart, a clean chest, meaning a clean heart towards others. That doesn't mean that that, that there is not a negation of wala wal bara. That's a separate issue. It's not a negation of love and hate for the sake of Allah. Someone that does evil, then no doubt you hate him for that evil. Someone that calls to worship of others besides Allah, then there is a bara'ah in that regard. Someone that oppresses others, kills innocent people, then no doubt you're going to have bara'ah from, from him. That there doesn't enter into this qa'idah, this principle of having a clean heart. Generally, clean heart towards your Muslim brothers, having a clean heart towards them and what have you. As a salaf, they said, have good opinion of others and have bad opinion of yourself. Think of others in better regard and think of yourself as being in low regard. Your actions, your sincerity, your taqwa, your piety, think of yourself less in these matters. And therefore, that will encourage you into, into bettering yourself. But the point being, salamat al-sadr, having a good heart, a clean heart towards others. And all of these four, you can find them being found in these four ahadith that Imam al-Qayrawani speaks about. What was the first asl? from the usul of good manners that we mentioned. Right now we listed four foundations for good manners. What was the first one? Protecting your tongue. Protecting your tongue. And that is found in this hadith here, hadith number 15. Whoever believes in Allah on the last day, then let him say a word of good or keep silent. What was the second one? Not to be excessive. Not to be excessive. And in the worldly matters, and not to uh, and to leave that which doesn't concern you, and that is found in the hadith. Which hadith? Read it. No, no, no. Min husnil. Aiyoh, min husnil Islam. Mar'i tarkumala yanihi. From the perfection of a person's Islam is that he abandons that which doesn't concern him. What was the third principle of good manners? Huh? Yeah. Aiyoh. To not be driven by your impulses, not to allow your impulses to overcome you and overtake you, that you're driven by that. Which hadith establishes this? Which hadith is a proof for this? The messenger said to the man who sought advice from him, don't become angry. And the man asked again, advise me. The messenger kept on repeating it, don't become angry. The man said again, advise me. The messenger said, don't become angry. What was the fourth principle from the principles of good manners? Have a clean heart. What is the, what is the hadith that that is based upon? None of you truly believes until he loves for his brother that which he loves for him, for himself. Okay? So that, can, that shows to us how um, uh, the how accurate and how precise and how spot-on you could say that Imam al-Qayrawani was in this statement of his that all manners, all goodly etic or good uh, etiquettes and goodly conduct branches out from these four ahadith. If you establish this within yourself and all other good manners, they will come out as a result uh, of you establishing these four primary etiquettes. All other goodly manners, goodly forms of conduct, goodly etiquettes, they will then be born out from these four 
primary uh, etiquettes. And likewise, uh, Sheikh Abdul Muhsin Abad he quotes a statement from Imam al Nawawi who said that some of them, yani some of the people knowledge said, لو كنتم تشترون الكاغدة للحفظة لسكتتم عن كثير من الكلام. If you had to purchase the paper. For the hafaza, who the hafaza, the uh, the um, yeah you could say the hafaz, the memorizers, but what's it in reference to? The guards, the uh, who's it in reference to? The hafaza. Those that are the scribes. Those that are recording your your deeds, your actions, and your your statements, the angels that are writing down what you say. So Imam Al-Nawi, he's quoting a statement from the scholars of the past that if you had to purchase paper for the angels that are writing down what you say and what you do, if you had to purchase the paper for the angels that are recording, then you'd end up being silent concerning much of speech. You'll end up speaking much less. You'll end up being silent concerning much of what you say. You'd say less of what you usually say. You'd realize that I'm having to purchase paper now for these angels that are writing down what I say. As a result of that, you know that you can't afford so much paper and you realize how much I'm saying that it's not just a few pages a day that my speech is taking up it's taking hordes of pages lots of pages and therefore you realize all of these all of these statements of mine I have to answer for page one page two page three page four and so on and so forth so when you realize that then you speak less part number three الخير اسم يقابله الشر ويأتي أيضا خير أفعل تفضيل حذفت منه الهمزة. Basically, part number three to Sheikh Abdul Muhsin Abad's explanation is concerning what the word خير means. So خير can mean the opposite of شر, which is evil, which is evil, and therefore the meaning of خير is good. So when the Prophet said. None of you truly believes until, or rather he said, uh, uh, whoever believes in Allah on the last day, then let him say khair, or keep silent. What does khair mean? Khair, it can mean the opposite of evil, and therefore khair means good. And khair can also be a, 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 a superlative, yani best. It can mean best, basically. Say that which is good, khair, which is good, or say that which is best, or keep silent. So that is a explanation concerning the term of khair, like a lexical explanation of the term. Number four. Repeat number three. Okay, who's going to repeat number three for Sheikh Ridwan? So part number three of Sheikh Abdul Mahsan Bad Sharh was just explaining the 
lexical meaning that this term khair carries. It can mean good and it can mean best. Okay? Is that okay? Okay. Number four. وَقَوْلُهُ مَنْ كَانَ يُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ فَلْيُكْرِمْ جَارَهُ now Shaykh Abdul Muhsin Abad is going to speak about the part when the messenger says whoever believes in Allah on the last day then let him honor his neighbor and that there are a hadith, many a hadith that refer to this and emphasize this, this particular matter that a person he should honor his neighbor that a person, he should not allow his neighbor to receive harm from you. Among those ahadith is the hadith of Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, recorded in Bukhari wa Muslim, when the messenger said, مَا زَالَ جِبْرِيلُ يُوسِينِ بِالْجَارِ حَتَّى ظَنَنْتُ أَنَّهُ سَيُوَرِّثُهُ That Jibreel did not stop uh, advising me with the neighbor up until I thought that the neighbor would end up inheriting from him, yani inheriting from his neighbor. Jibreel alayhi salam kept on emphasizing the importance of the neighbor until the messenger thought that the neighbor can become an inheritor. And likewise, the narration of the messenger alayhi salatu wasalam, when he said, Wallahi la yu'min, Wallahi la yu'min, qalu man ya Rasulallah, qala alladhi la ya'man jaruhu bawa'iqahu. Prophet said, by Allah, he hasn't truly believed. By Allah, he hasn't truly believed. So the companions, they said, who? Yani, who hasn't truly believed? You're taking an oath and you're repeating it. This means that this is very important. Who is the person that hasn't truly believed? And then the messenger qualified his statement by saying, the one whose neighbor isn't safe and secure from his, from his harm. So this here emphasizes the importance of being good to, to your neighbor, not allowing evil from you to reach him, rather honoring him and being good to him. And then the neighbors, there are of types, three types, Shaykh Abdul Mahsin al-Badi mentions. Um, you've got the first category, the, the one that is a neighbor and a Muslim and a relative. So he's got three rights. Second one, the one that is a Muslim and a neighbor. So now he's got two rights, the right of being a Muslim and the right of being a neighbor. And then you have the third category, the one that is a neighbor, but he isn't a Muslim and he isn't a relative. So he at least has the right of, of being a neighbor. And the one that deserves the greatest amount of ikram, goodness and kindness from you, in terms of your neighbor, is the, yeah, the one that is closest to you. The one that is closest to you. There are some narrations. Uh, there is a narration in Al Adab al Mufrad. It's a narration of uh, Hassan ibn Abi Talib. In fact, I just opened the page and I landed on there. The hadith is the narration is Anahu su'ila anil jar, faqala arba'ina daran amamahu, arba'ina khalfahu, arba'ina an yamini, arba'ina an yasarihi. And this is a narration that has been declared Hassan by Shaykh al Albani. But uh, Al-Hassan, he was asked concerning the neighbor. So he said that it is the one that is 40 houses in front of you, 
40 houses behind you, 40 houses to your right, 40 houses to your left. Sheikh Muhammad, Muhammad ibn Salih al-Uthaymin, he has said concerning this narration, he, I mean, Sheikh Uthaymin, he said that, that if this narration is authentic, if this narration is authentic, عفوا, al-Hassan al-Basri, not Hassan ibn Abi Talib radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Sheikh Uthaymin, he said that if this narration is authentic to the Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam, then this is in reference to 40 houses in their time, in his time, because the houses which were close together. So the space that was covered by 40 houses was much more smaller, Sheikh Uthaymin says, than the space that is covered by 40 houses in many places today. Like imagine you live in an area where all of the houses are villas or you know, um, detached houses. The area that 40 houses is going to cover is going to be much, much more bigger than the area that 40 houses on a terrace street covers, for example, uh, or flats. That area is going to cover much, much more space, meaning a ha an area where there's just detached houses, than an area where there are terraced houses, like two-bedroom terraced houses or flats. So Shaykh Uthameen is saying that if this narration is authentic to the Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam, then this is in reference to houses in his time. However, the qa'ida is, the principle is, is that it goes back to the urf. It goes back to the custom, the customs of the era that you live in and the, um, the land that you live in. So whatever is considered a neighbor in your area, in your in your in your area, uh, in, in your country, and in the time that you live in, the era that you live in, that is your neighbor. That is your neighbor. So basically, the one that, generally speaking, that lives in your neighborhood, you could say. Allah knows best. It goes back to your the urf. It goes back to the customs of the land and the era that you live in. So it's not really tied down to a specific number of houses. Because if it's the case that you live on, I don't know of any roads in Bolton, but if you live on, uh, if you live on Derby Street, is that where you, the, uh, is that Millionaire's Row? No? Uh? Okay. If you live on a street where there, has, where there are big mansions, then 40 houses are going to take long, like in Leeds, there is Wickton Lane. Wickton Lane is uh, a street where you know, the millionaires live and the football players live and what have you. So that street there, it starts from Shadwell, which is one end of Leeds, and it ends up in Old Woodley, which is not the other end of Leeds, but it's, it's, a, it's a separate district, it's, it's a separate area. It's one street that continues, and 40, 40 houses would cover a long, long, long distance. So the point is, is that it doesn't really go, it's not limited to a certain number, but rather it's based upon the urf, the customs. And the one that deserves the greatest right is the one that is closest to you. Physically closest to you. Yeah, sorry. Physically closest to you. Not in terms of, you know, uh, relative. It's not in terms of the one that is closest to you in terms of your bloodline, but in terms of the right as a neighbor, the one that is 
the one whose door is physically closest to you, the one whose door is physically closest to you, the one whose actual physical building, the house that he lives in, is closest to your to your house. Is that clear? Yeah. Now there's another narration as well that combines an admonishment for preservation of the tongue which has been mentioned in the hadith that we're studying in Arba'in and Nawi and likewise being good to the neighbor and the consequences of being bad to the neighbor this narration again it's from Al-Adab Al-Mufrad it is under the chapter Bab La Yu'thi Jarahu the chapter that a person should not harm his neighbor it's a narration Sahih by Imam Al-Bani from Abi Hurairah who said that it was said to the Prophet السلام, Ya Rasulullah Inna fulana taqumu al-layl wa tasumu al-nahar wa tafa'al wa tassaddaqu wa tu'zi jiranaha bilisaniha It was said to the Prophet O Messenger of Allah Indeed such and such a female woman stands in prayer at night and fasts throughout the day and she does deeds and she gives in charity and the thing that she donates in the cause of isn't has not been mentioned that indicates that she gives a great amount of wealth in charity or she gives a great amount in charity however she harms her neighbors with her tongue he, she harms her neighbors with her with her tongue so the prophet said la khaira fiha hiya min ahlin nar there is no good in her. She is from the people of hellfire. قالوا وفلانة تصلي المكتوبة وتصدق بأثوار ولا تؤذي أحدا. فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم هي من أهل الجنة. And then they said, and there is so and so, another female woman who prays her her obligatory her obligatory prayers, her mandatory prayers. She prays only her five daily prayers. And she gives in charity, but what does she give in charity? Curdled cheese. Not a great amount of wealth, not a great amount of clothing, not a great amount of food. Cheese, curdled cheese. But she does not harm anybody. So the Prophet ﷺ said about her, she is from the people of paradise. She is from the people of paradise. What does this narration indicate? Among many things it shows that worship is meant to have an after effect upon you. Worship is meant to produce results. Worship is meant to change you. So you have a woman here who is, if you just think about it, think about it, you have a sister, a good Muslim sister, you hear about her, that she gets up at 2 a.m. in the middle of the night makes wudu puts on her jilbab goes downstairs puts on the lamp stands in prayer worshipping her Rabb crying before her Rabb goes in sujood begging her Lord for mercy and she prays raka'at at night hours, two hours, three hours praying in front of her Lord every single night when the day comes, she gets her wealth, 
a good portion of her wealth and gives it to charity. Donates it to the masjid. Donates it to orphans. Sends it to da'wah organizations. Purchases translations of the Quran for them to be distributed to the non-Muslims and so on and so forth. She's charitable. And she fasts throughout the day. This type of woman, the Prophet is saying, is burning in hell. She's burning in Jahannam. Imagine that, a woman that is standing in prayer at night, giving sadaqah, fasting throughout the day. The people say, MashaAllah, look at the nur upon her and so on and so forth. Look at the nur upon him and so on and so forth. Look, such a righteous person. I want to be like him. I want to be like her. Prophet is saying she's burning in the fire of hell. He's already said it. She's in hell fire. She's burning in hell. Why? Because she was unable to control one small piece of flesh, one small tiny organ, the organ of the tongue. She was unable to control that, and as a result of that, she is now burning in fire. She is now burning in hell. He's now screaming, that she will be in the fire of hell, screaming. Imagine it, fasted and prayed and she's screaming in the fire of hell, saying, get me out of here. She gave so much of her wealth in charity and she's screaming, this is a reality, she's screaming in the fire of hell. As a result of not being able to control her tongue, the people did not say she harms her neighbor with her hands. She slaps the neighbor. She didn't say, they didn't say that about her. They didn't say she harms her neighbors physically by getting filth and putting it in their doorstep. No. She harms her neighbor with her, just with her tongue. And if it was the case that she harmed them with the tongue by making qaf, for example, upon them, accusing them of adultery, accusing them of fornication, and then that would have become well known. We would know that. Because she would have been whipped and the testimony would have been rejected and she would have been declared as a fasiqah. That would have been mentioned as well. So therefore, whatever harm that she was doing to her neighbor didn't reach the level of qaf. Didn't reach that level. Backbiting, slandering, lying, mocking and so on and so forth. But it didn't reach that level of qaf. If the messenger is saying he's condemned her to the fire of hell, she's burning in the fire of hell in the afterlife. But then you have another woman, in contrast to her, who does not pray to Hajjud. And she does not fast except in Ramadan. And she only gives small little bits and bobs in charity. She doesn't do the Hajjud, she only does the five daily prayers. Fajr, Dhuhr, Asr, Maghrib, Isha, Bas. Prophet said she's in the fire, of, she's in the paradise. Why? Because one of the other things that they mention about her, وَلَا the ahad, She doesn't harm anybody. Everyone's honor is safe from her tongue. Everyone is safe from her tongue. She doesn't harm anybody with her tongue. And therefore the Prophet ﷺ, he said she's in paradise. So what does this narration highlight? It highlights that there are fasting people, devout, so-called devout people of worship, roasting in the fire of hell. And therefore, worship should produce results, have an effect upon your character, change you, and develop a better character within you. And likewise, what it indicates, 
the great harm that you may face as a result of gossiping about your neighbor, backbiting about your neighbor, mocking your neighbor, making rums and lums about your neighbor, winking about your neighbor and making ishara about your neighbor. All of these things, a person needs to be cautious concerning them. Why? Because the consequences of it in the afterlife, there are no doubt, they are grave. They are grave. So two things that this shows. Preserving your tongue, a reminder about preserving your tongue. And preserving the right of your neighbor. Concerning this matter of preserving your tongue and harming others with your tongue. And as an extension to that, gossiping, gossiping about others, backbiting others and so on and so forth. There's an ayah that likewise admonishes us from backbiting, gossiping others. There is an ayah that reinforces what we have learnt in this hadith, that whoever believes in Allah on the last day, let him speak a word of God or keep silent. What is that ayah? That ayah is in Surah Al-Hujurat, ayah number 12. وَلَا يَغْتَبْ بَعْضُكُمْ أَحَدُكُمْ أَنْ يَأْكُلَ لَحْمَ أَخِيهِ مَيْتًا Allah said, and let not one of you backbite the others. None of you should backbite each other. Do one of you love that he eats the flesh of his brother when he is dead? Meaning, does one of you, do one of you love to eat the dead body of your brother? For indeed, surely you would dislike that. Indeed, you would dislike that. Shaykh Abdul Rahman al-Sa'di, he said concerning this, that the corpse of a dead person eating the... He said, وَلَحْمُ هَذَا الْمَيْتِ قَدْ اجْتَمَعَتْ فِيهِ ثَلَاثُ صِفَاتِ تَزِيدُ فِيهِ تَكْرِيهُهُ وَتَبْغِيضُهُ إِلَى النَّاسِ Eating the dead body of a person is repulsive and disgusting to a person from three angles. Number one, the fact that it is the dead meat of a human being. Allah is saying that backbiting each other is equivalent to eating the corpse of each other, the corpses of each other. And this is repulsive. Why? Number one, because, eat, because it is eating the flesh of a human being. Number two, it is eating, uh, or, or the fact that that person is a Muslim. And number three, the fact that that person is dead. It's repulsive. To eat the court, to eat the dead flesh of your Muslim brother is repulsive. Why? Number one, because it is the flesh of a human. Number two, because that is a Muslim. And number three, because he's dead. So that is what Shaykh Abdul Rahman al-Sa'di, he said concerning this ayah. Shaykh Uthaymeen. Hmm? So why, why is it the case that this is something that is disgusting and repulsive to the human being? Backbiting is considered eating the flesh of a dead Muslim, the corpse of a Muslim. This is disgusting to the human being. Why? Number one. The fact that it, it's the flesh of a human, not the flesh of an of a animal that we can eat, flesh of a human. Number two, that it's a Muslim. 
that it's a Muslim who's flesh you're eating. And number three, that this flesh is dead, it's a corpse. That's what Shaykh Abdul Rahman Sa'di said. Shaykh uh, Al Alama Muhammad ibn Salih al Uthaymin, he said, Fahal tajiduna akbaha wa abshaa min shaksin yajlisu ila akhihi al mayit fayakpa'u jifatahu kit'atan kit'a wa yakuluha. Hal tajiduna ahadan yunkinu an yutika dalika? Ala inna ladi yaktabu nas. He said, do you find anybody that is more disgusting, more ugly, more repulsive than the person who sits down next to his dead brother, his dead brother, cuts his corpse and then chops him piece by piece and then eats those pieces of the flesh of his dead brother that he's sitting next to. Do you find anybody that is able to do that? Shaykh Uthaymin, he says, yes indeed. The one who backbites people, he is the one that is capable of doing that. So that therefore highlights to us the great importance of preserving our tongue. Next week, insha'Allah ta'ala, we'll continue with elaborating on this point of preservation of the tongue and being good to the neighbor uh, with other reports from the Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam. And likewise, as an extension to that, uh, we'll mention certain other things that are connected to preserving the tongue because a person, he'll say, okay, you're meant to say, safeguard your tongue. You are meant to... Um, and he ensure that you only use your tongue in good and otherwise keep silent. And this is from believing in Allah on the last day. So does this mean that we can't joke between ourselves? And we can't jest between ourselves? And we can't uh, uh, joke and jest and play with each other? Inshallah ta'ala, next week we will go into that. But the short answer to that is yes. From the sunnah is like jest and like banter is something that is from the sunnah. But the detail of that we'll discuss next week with Allah Ta'ala. Wallahu a'alam wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.